Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt is sponsored by the Marquardt Law Firm and does not attempt to solve your individual legal problems upon the basis of information contained herein. Instead, contact an attorney to discuss the specific facts and circumstances of your unique situation. The views and opinions of this program do not reflect the views of the Salem Media Group. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt. I'm Christiana Viegas, co-host and event planner of Marquardt Law Firm that also sponsors the show and our breakfast adventures. Like, today we went to Roof of Thieves. Wasn't it great, Todd? I love that place. And, you know, the most important thing I love about it is that everybody seemed happy to be at work. The waiters and waitresses and the cooks and everybody, they provided such great service. Indeed, it was very pleasant. Food was good, too. (laughs) And very big tacos, which is always a surprise for me. I came here from out west, and the tacos are usually the street size, and being able to have a nice fat taco for breakfast, it's very hearty. But aside from going over our breakfast adventures, what's the purpose of having Talk Law Radio? I'm so glad you asked. The mission of Talk Law Radio is to help you discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. And the State Bar of Texas wants us as lawyers to inform the public about the law, but because legal advice must be tailored to specific circumstances of each case and laws are ever-changing, Nothing provided in this show should be used as a substitute for the advice of competent legal counsel. So contact an attorney like Todd Marquardt at Marquardt Law Firm if you have questions about the law. I've heard they're pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you're tuning in to hear that mystery voice, we are joined today with Ms. Haley Palmer, our own paralegal here at Marquardt Law Firm as well. Welcome, Haley. Well, actually, Haley's position is law clerk. Mm-hmm. Oh, my yeah, apologies. She's been to law school, so we call her law clerk. And I'll explain a little bit about more about her, and she can talk about her background. But first, let's begin with a prayer. Of course. Dear God, thank you for this day and for all the gifts and blessings that you give us. Please forgive us our sins our mistakes, doing the wrong thing, or failing to do your will. Be with all Christian families, Lord, granting the strength, mutual affection, and grace to care for our friends and loved ones who may be suffering terminal or irreversible illness or injury. Please help Reverend Patrick Erickson, Haley Palmer, Christiana, and me to give good information to the listeners about the law and gospel of death and dying today. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided 
for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you're tuning in, this is Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. We're also on Facebook today doing a live stream. So go and look up Talk Law Radio, and you'll see that we only have three guests here in person. We'll be calling Reverend Erickson in the later segment of our show. But you mentioned about the advanced directives and death and dying. Why this topic? Well, this topic is so important. It all started back in 1891, (laughs) even even before that. But uh, in 1891, there was a court case which established that people have an individual right to possession and control of his own person. Now, it's strange that you would need a court to tell you that, but uh, just like everything else in the law, it has to be Uh, long-winded and complicated. Then, in 1976, there was a a New Jersey case uh, styled N. Ray Quinlan, where a woman named Quinlan fell into a coma after an evening during which she took uh, tranquilizers and was drinking alcoholic beverages. no. So she uh, slipped into a coma... And um, they decided to uh, withdraw some type of life support, and she kept breathing. Mm-hmm. Oh. And so she was in a vegetative state after that for some time, and uh, the physician said that there was essentially no hope for her uh, to live a normal life again, and they wanted to withhold and, and withdraw life support at that point, and the doctors said no mm-hmm. because they were worried about uh, liability. There, there was no um, court that had ever decided that uh, it was okay for a physician to withhold life support at that point, even though physicians had done that for families. But anyway, that that's where the debate over uh, whether it's okay to refuse medical treatment at some point. That's where the debate got started. And you mentioned the uh, advanced directive. Well, uh, some people call that the living will, but it's really not about living. It's about um, withholding life support and, and allowing yourself to die naturally, and it's not a will. It's not a disposition of assets upon death. Uh, so the... The better term for it is advanced directive or directive to physicians. That's what we call it in Texas. And that's where you get to decide, if you have a strong preference, whether you want to withhold or withdraw life support in the event that you're suffering from a terminally or irreversible ill or illness. And most of the time that means you're in a coma or a vegetative state. Is that the same thing as those documents? What is it? I, I've heard it's called a DNR, do not resuscitate. Is that the right term? A lot of people confuse those. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, it's a common uh, mistake. Uh, DNR stands for do not resuscitate, meaning you don't want CPR, oh. which is when they pound on your chest and, and breathe into your mouth to bring you back. And the... It's different. The reason it's different is because a DNR 
has to be signed by a physician. Mm-hmm. And it's more of an immediate thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's considered to be doctor's orders. Mm-hmm. So that's why a physician has to sign it. And uh, so even though a lawyer can tell you about it and even sign it in a lawyer's office, it still has to be signed by a physician. And so you take it to your physician's office and discuss why you want a DNR. Mm -hmm. Because uh, the statistics I've seen say that CPR is 70% effective. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like some of our audience are probably going to be making scheduled appointments after their vacation holidays. Mm -hmm. We are taking questions today. If you call in at 210-308-8867, you're listening to Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Today's episode on advanced directives and living wills. Our guests, Haley Palmer and Reverend Erickson, will join us in the later half of our show. So next, there was a, a Supreme Court case uh, called uh, Cruzen. Cru- Nancy Cruzen was um, also rendered incompetent. This was as a result of uh, injuries in an automobile accident. And her parents, who had been also appointed legal guardian for her, uh, requested a court or- order to withdraw artificial feeding and hydration treatment. Mm. And the Missouri court held there was not enough evidence in trial that she would have wanted that type of life support to be removed. Mm -hmm. What kind of evidence would they look for? (laughs) Well, the standard that they were looking for was they needed clear and convincing evidence that she wanted that or didn't want life support at some point. She did have a roommate that testified that uh, Nancy never wanted to live like a vegetable. Mm. But the court said that wasn't enough because it was, that, that statement's too broad. It's not specific enough about dealing with uh, the withdrawal of medical treatment or of hydration and nutrition. Well, then it sounds like we're going to have to cover more about what helps you make that decision or at least what kind of conversations you should plan with your attorney. So don't change that channel. We will return here on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt. The number to call will be 210-308-8867. That's 210-308-8867. Stay tuned with us here on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt. You've heard him on Talk Law Radio. Now work with his firm yourself. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trusts, and powers of attorney. Want to have a say on who will get your money and assets when you die instead of leaving it up to a judge? Then you need a proper estate plan in place, and Marquardt Law Firm can help you do just that. They can also develop a strategy for your long-term care financing and help maneuver the complicated Medicaid process for your family. Call them today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. Call 210-530-4278. Again, that's 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. MarquardtLawFirm.com. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt. 
I'm Christiana Villegas, and we're joined here today with Ms. Haley Palmer on the topic of advanced directives and living wells. So I, I wrote a, a biography for you, Haley. Okay. And uh, so I'll just uh, say that you're a law clerk at Marquardt Law Firm, mm-hmm. uh, where you help attorneys draft estate plans, uh, research the law, draft uh, legal pleadings, and talk to clients about drafting their estate planning documents. Mm-hmm. You graduated from Texas A&M in College Station. Yes. In three years. Three years, yes. Wow. How did you do it? Um, it was an accident, actually. <laughs> um, no one believes me when I say that, but I came in uh, with a lot of credits from high school, um, and then I took 16 to 18 hours every semester. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, that does make sense. <laughs> and then you went to Baylor Law School. Yes. And you graduated uh, with your Juris Doctor. And uh, I tell people now your burning desire is to pass the Texas bar exam and earn your law license. Yes. Is that right? Yes. And so um, you're going to share your experience of surviving a coma today? Yes, I am. Yes. She <laughs> woke up and she's here to tell us about her experience. So uh, what led to the coma? So um, it was all sort of out of nowhere. Um, I ended up um, with a large pseudocyst, about 37 centimeters, um, and then my body took on a bunch of fluid um, because of that. And so then my lungs started shutting down. And um, they have this procedure at Maine Methodist here in San Antonio um, it's fairly new. I just attended the second year for the survivors of ECMO. And um, if you don't know what ECMO is, it's extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, um, which it's a form of life support. So you are on the life support drugs um, to keep you alive and everything. And then what they do, because in my case, with my lungs shutting down, they oxygenated my blood by pumping it out and um, giving my lungs a break. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and then at some point you slipped into a coma. Yes, so um, with the ECMO, um, I was on that for about six days. I don't recall any of it. And then after that, um, I was in a coma on life support um, for about a week after that, and then I just remember waking up. And what happened after you woke up? I was, of course, a little disoriented. I knew I was in the hospital, um, but the hardest thing was figuring out what day of the month it was and what month I actually was in. Um, But the doctors would always come in and ask me, do you know where you're at? Do you know my name? What day is it today? Um, And so, because they weren't sure where my mental capacity would be after Mm -hmm. everything. Right. Most people that spend so much time in a hospital won't know what day it is because they don't have to write the date down. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Everything just kind of blends in together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Haley, why don't you tell us why you're so passionate about talking to people about directives? I'm very passionate about it because, in my case, I did not have one. um, But fortunately, my parents were able to step in and um, make the decisions for me. Um, However, I was previously married and had 
I still been married and not gotten a divorce. Um, if he would have, he would have been the one with the decision making. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have a strong feeling that I probably wouldn't have Mm -hmm. gotten any sort of form of life support. Um, and if I did, it would have been a huge struggle in my family and arguments and, um, it just wouldn't have been good. Yeah. So you encourage people to write their, uh, instructions down. Mm -hmm. Well, Haley, how long were you in a coma for then? Um, about overall about two weeks. Oh, so how fortunate it was that your situation, although dire was only for a short amount of time. What was that other case though? Wasn't a woman in a coma for a number of years? Oh yeah. That was uh Terry Shivo. Mm -hmm. It, It was, uh, what Haley hopes other people will pr- uh, prevent by writing their wishes down. Uh, she had a, Terry Shivo had a heart attack and she had uh, been without oxygen for a long period of time and they did CPR and brought her back to life, but her brain had suffered uh, without oxygen. And so she, they said she was in a, a permanent vegetative state, that there was no brain activity. But her parents thought that she was getting better. Mm-hmm. Well, after about 15 years, her husband decided uh, Terry never wanted to live this way. Mm-hmm. And uh, the and the backstory of all that is that he already had another mm-hmm. family, mm-hmm. <laughs> had kids from uh, a new woman. And her parents said, well, yeah, Terry had a conversation with us, and she said she did want to us to do everything we could if she were in this type of condition. And so they took it to court. Again, if you don't have anything written down in Florida, they had to prove what Terry Shivo would have wanted. Mm -hmm. And the husband said, no, I had conversations with her, and she said she never wanted to live like this. And so it went all the way up to the Supreme Court of the United States, and the Supreme Court said, well, you have to follow the law, and if you don't have a directive in Florida, then there's a list of people that can make this decision for you, and at the top of that list was spouse. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. And so the spouse said, uh, remove the feeding tube and and uh, allow her to die naturally. So if you have a strong preference that you absolutely never want to live that way, then you have to sign a a directive to physicians. If you have a strong preference that you absolutely want them to do everything they can to keep you alive using life support, then you sign that. And I think it's um, a great document, too, because not only are you getting your wishes known, so there's no question, but also it keeps things like court cases coming up or just family arguments that there's no question as to what your wishes are right having something written down Mm -hmm. that's where you 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 tell your loved ones what you want Mm -hmm. so one of the steps that you can take is calling an attorney and setting up a consultation so that way you can go over these decisions and put it to paper in fact marquardt law firm can help you set up that consultation if you dial 210 Five three zero four two seven eight, or visit marquardtlawfirm.com M-A-R-Q-U-A-R D like David T like Tango 
lawfirm.com. It sponsors this show here on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt. Tell us a little bit more, though, about what makes this document more effective. Well, let me share a real-life example. So I'm sitting uh, watching TV with my family, right? and the commercial comes on where the guy's about to go into surgery, and uh, he's asking the nurse about the surgeon, and she <laughs> says, oh, he's okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love uh, that commercial. <laughs> yeah, and, and then the surgeon comes on and says, hey, I've been reinstated. <laughs> After three oh, years. Uh, almost. <laughs> almost. And, and uh, so I told my son, Thomas, I said, I'm putting that in my <laughs> medical power of attorney. Just okay is not okay. <laughs> so, but we also talk to people about how they want to be taken care of. I call that the take care of clause. Mm-hmm. So a lot of attorneys you go to, they'll just fill out the form for you. Who do you want to be your agent? Do you want to be in a coma? Do you want life support? We take it a step further and ask a whole bunch of other questions. If you could direct your loved ones to take care of you in a specific certain way, how would you do that? And then I give suggestions. Mm -hmm. So then what helps make sure that the person you pick is going to have the best interest for your medical well-being. Well, you want to pick somebody who you think will always act in your best interest. Like For Haley, it it might be her parents. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, it might be my spouse, or it might be my son, Thomas. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also suggest that you pick somebody that's nearby Mm -hmm. so that they can go to the hospital. Mm Mm-hmm. Physicians and other healthcare professionals are some of the highest trained professions in the nation, uh, but they're so busy. Mm-hmm. So then it's probably not best to name a family member or a best friend who says, I'll go through anything for you, wide rivers, high mountains, whatever, I'll be there, and might be a couple thousand miles away, might be a little too late. Yeah, right. So I... You have to balance those different factors. If if you only have one person that you trust, of course, that's going to have to be it. Mm-hmm. But then let them know, give them a heads up. Hey, if I'm in the hospital, I want you to be there right away, and I'll pay you back. <laughs> so then what happens if you name the person and they decide they don't want to make that decision or to follow through with your wishes? Are there any consequences for that? Well, we like to have a couple of backups, right, Haley? Yes. So we we have an alternate, and if that person, if your number one can't be there or if they happen to pass away, then, you know, you just might have to explain that or have a written statement attached to your medical power of attorney to let the physicians know that the alternate is going to be making the decisions now. Yes, we definitely encourage um if there are several people that you can trust to list alternates. Um, and I, we always advise, too, to give a copy of your medical power of attorney to someone that's appointed so they mm-hmm. have it with them and they're not searching for it. Right. So then if also making these decisions should be consulted with your doctor, your physician, would an attorney need to be present during that meeting as well? Does an attorney need to have a physician during their consultation? Probably not. 
um, that they can just merely make their power of attorney and directive uh, available to the physician, maybe put it into their medical file or their electronic medical record file at the physician or healthcare inst- institution. And if you're worried about that, you can uh, deposit your medical power of attorney or directive online mm-hmm. so it's stored in in the cloud, so to speak. And then you carry a card in your wallet or purse that says, if you find me and I'm mm-hmm. unconscious, dial this number or go to this website and you'll have access to my directives. Okay, then. So do you need to submit the original or does that need to be kept under lock and key? Well, you don't have to have the original. It, it, it'll say on the document that a copy is effective. Uh, we also uh, encourage people to have a HIPAA authorization mm-hmm. and release. HIPAA is that federal law that makes your health information so private. It stands for Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. And you name people who you give your physician permission to talk to. Mm-hmm. And so they can know how you're doing. So then these are a lot of items that not everyone has knowledge of. Not everybody is able to go to law school and retain that information. So go and visit MarcourtLawFirm.com, M-A-R-Q-U-A-R, D like Delta, T like Tango, LawFirm.com. Enter in your information to our chat box, set up a consultation, but don't change that channel. When we return from this break, we're going to have Reverend Erickson join us back here on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt. Stay tuned. Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt is sponsored by the Marquardt Law Firm and does not attempt to solve your individual legal problems upon the basis of information contained herein. Instead, contact an attorney to discuss the specific facts and circumstances of your unique situation. The views and opinions of this program do not reflect the views of the Salem Media Group. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt. I'm Christiana Villegas, co-host of this talk show, and we are here with Ms. Haley Palmer, and soon we'll be connecting with Reverend Erickson, talking about advanced directives and living well, both the law and the gospel. Are you on the line? Yes. Okay, great. So uh, Reverend Patrick Erickson is on the line with us. He retired in 2015 from Peace Lutheran Church in Garland, Texas. Is that right? That's right. Okay, good. In retirement, Reverend Erickson enjoys pursuing his longstanding interest in evangelical Lutheran theology and writing poetry. You have some poetry books out there, Pastor? Well, not any, not any books yet. Just oh, um, okay. Just publications, okay. journals, and magazines, and and that. Yes. And you're going to help us understand what the gospel of these end of life issues are. Yes, that's yes. That would be my, you know, would be, would be my um, pleasure. What would you say is the central end of life issue? 
Many will tell you that the key issue has to do with letting the dying die on the one hand and or mercy killing or euthanasia on the other. And so how how does the gospel um, weigh into that? Well, um, probably to to deal with uh, the actual um, mechanics of end of life and the part that um, that uh, uh, we all face uh, at the end of life in terms of death is aiming at death uh, oh. ever a solution uh, to the issue of dying which brings us to to euthanasia is euthanasia an option generally speaking the medical profession uses the word euthanasia with considerable hesitation and only uh, I stress only in the sense of deliberately shortening life despite some social engineering advocates who <laughs> who define it as gentle death or death with dignity or mm-hmm. assisting nature or choosing the moment right. rather than the goal being to care for the dying while not needlessly prolonging the dying process, and that's an important distinction, um, rather than the goal uh, being to care for the dying while not needlessly prolonging the dying process, euthanasia aims at either deliberately hastening death or willfully causing it outright, as in the case of physician-assisted suicide or or physician-aided death. What would Jesus say about euthanasia? Well, um, last Sunday, uh, I think probably the the uh, the issue is is what uh, what he would do exactly about about the whole issue. Mm-hmm. And last Sunday in church, many Christians and at least many Lutheran Christians heard from his own lips um, not just what Jesus would do, but what in fact he did. And in Saint Matthew, that was the the gospel. Uh, for the occasion, uh, for the third Sunday in Advent in in Lutheran circles. In St. Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 5, um, you recall when John the Baptist sent his disciples to ask Jesus whether or not he was the Messiah. Jesus answered, Go and tell John what you hear and see. Uh, first, what you see. Mm-hmm. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. And uh, now what you hear, the poor have good news preached to them. The poor have the gospel preached to them. This, of course, is just a short summary. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are full of accounts of all Jesus did for the hopelessly sick and dying, and even for the dead, always caring and uh, never killing, and that's a uh, really the the uh, probably the main thing is is whether your whether your treatment is aimed at at ultimately at death or or whether it's um, whether it's your your whole purpose is, is caring for those that are that are uh, at the end of life. Yeah. So um, I was going to ask if euthanasia is not an option for end-of-life consideration, what is? Um, is care, yeah, care. Right. Care, Christian care. Um, 
What does that entail? And, and, and not probably not probably just for Christians either, but for those who who affirm the sanctity of life at life's end, uh, along with Christians. How do we care for one another at the end of life? Um, how do we receive care from one another at life's end? Uh, are we caregivers and receivers, or killers? Mm-hmm. And um, at this point, I'd like to to just speak of of something that was um, done for for us. Uh, probably now, what is it, 90s, what are we, almost 30 years ago, um, in response to the issue of euthanasia, the Ramsey uh, Colloquium of the Institute on Religion and Public Life, which is a group of, was a group of Jewish and Christian theologians and ethicists and philosophers, scholars, besides producing an excellent declaration on the subject, coined a phrase uh, which goes to the very heart of the issue, and has entered the public consciousness and, and discourse. And that phrase is, uh, always to care, never to kill. I'll uh, repeat that, always to care, never to kill. Is your treatment of the dying, while not needlessly prolonging the dying process, always to care and never to kill? Or is the treatment directed at hastening death, if not causing it outright? So the distinction is, is vital. The, the outcome is everything. Mm-hmm. So what is the goal? You know, so, what are you if deliberately shortening and/or ending life is out of the question, what's the distinction between intervention aimed at hastening death, or on one hand, versus the decision not to needlessly prolong the dying process and let nature's take its course? It's a uh, in, in, one of the things that enters into, and, and Todd touched on it earlier, um, is the distinction between uh, what's often called ordinary care, um, that which is ordinarily necessary for, for all of us, and um, food uh, and water, uh, nutrition and water, is, um, is often considered um, ordinary care, mm-hmm. um, extraordinary uh, are are those those uh, measures um, that that are in it, that enter into play um, over and above over and above providing just the basic necessities? They call and those that's heroic, technology. Excuse me. Heroic yeah, measures. Yes. Yeah. Extra heroic is is another expression for mm. it. And and it's um it's again I think that the the important thing is is what is the aim. You know what? What are you? What are you aiming at? Are you, are you aiming to to care for the person and and this um, intervention? Uh, uh, certainly, many many um, uh, extraordinary measures are 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 um, are not out of the question for a person if your aim is at, at caring for them um, as opposed to to actually shortening their life. Um, for, for example, the, in in Haley's case. Um, there was hope they mm-hmm. were treating your condition mm-hmm. that's right yes yes so it's so that's really it's not it's not you know it's a a helpful distinction ordinary versus um extraordinary or or uh extra heroic uh, efforts but really it's the uh, it's the uh the person the individual person the patient um what there as you as you noted in in the importance of um of advanced directives um what is you know what are their wishes? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are their wishes if they're if they're um, able to express 
express that, and and what is the aim? Um, uh, and and it's also important to realize that um, that people of goodwill and and Christians um, will. This is such a complex issue, and 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 the technological uh, progress that has been made, the medical, the wonderful things that have come to us through medicine. Um, uh, it becomes more and more complex and, and, and more and more difficult to, to uh, determine when, and one of the issues is, has the person in their, in their journey to death, have they passed the point of no return? Is their condition, you know, if they're, are they on the downward slope? Uh, is their condition um, uh, irre- irreversible? Uh, if I might say something, um at certain points with in my experience when i um was on life support there were physicians that um whether they said it out loud or just by their face um they did not think that i was going to pull through Mm -hmm. um however and this is something that i've been thinking about a lot um the will to live is a big thing and like i mean of course i was unconscious um when i was on life support but there was something in there fighting and i had all those prayers out there for me so that's just something to think about as well i think that's uh, one of those mysteries right pastor mm-hmm. yes 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 and and for a christian um the the fact you know the fact of the creator mm-hmm. um and 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 leaving it leaving it in his hands i mean we can't we can't second guess what, what he's going to do and if if um, if things are as we believe, uh, really, truly in His hands, um, then uh, you know, then that's a factor to consider. Well, then let's leave it in His hands to bring us back from this commercial. When we return here on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt, stay with us, Reverend Erickson. We'll be back in a moment. You've heard him on Talk Law Radio. Now work with his firm yourself. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trusts, and powers of attorney. Want to have a say on who will get your money and assets when you die instead of leaving it up to a judge? Then you need a proper estate plan in place, and Marquardt Law Firm can help you do just that. It can also develop a strategy for your long-term care financing and help maneuver the complicated Medicaid process for your family. Call them today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. Call 210-530-4278. Again, that's 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. MarquardtLawFirm.com. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt. I'm your co-host, Christiana Villegas, and we're joined here today with Ms. Haley Palmer and Reverend Patrick Erickson over on the phone with us. Can you still hear us, Reverend? Yes, uh-huh. Right Rever- here. <laughs> Re- Reverend, you know at Marquardt Law Firm, we focus on estate and business law, including last wills, living trusts, and estate planning. We like to ask our guests on the show about their legacy. If, if you were to leave a legacy, uh, what, would that, what would you want that to be, people to remember you by? Or have you received a legacy that you'd like to share? Yes, um, when we uh, when we contacted um, when we contacted you, Todd, your your firm, um, 
one of our situations, certainly we're not unique, my wife and I are not unique, but we have no children. Mm-hmm. And uh, and neither one of us, we kind of come from, from somewhat dysfunctional backgrounds, and uh, neither one of us have any uh, close relatives that, that, that we could depend upon to, to help us in these matters um, at life's end as we as we grow older. And so uh, we had we, we thought a long time um, and prayed and prayed about it what what to do what, you know since we don't have anyone that will intervene for us that are that are that are close to us that are either relatives or or friends and um, and that was our um, sort of our impetus for for contacting um, the Marquardt law firm was we we knew of their reputation um, for for uh, doing these things from a Christian. Uh, point of view, and um, um, and we we also um, uh, we we don't we don't have a lot of um, of assets, but we have some, and um, uh, we as good stewards of, uh, of of all that God has given us, we we wanted to to leave uh, the remainder of those assets to to um, since we since we have no children and no relatives uh, uh, that we're close to to. To leave it uh, to some charity um, that that we believe in, and our two choices were, from my wife's point of view, um, Bethesda. Bethesda is a is a Lutheran um, uh, entity that that cares for uh, children uh, with disabilities, and 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 their uh, the spectrum of care is is uh, is universal, and it. And it and they care for those for those individuals um, as long as they're placed in their custody. They care for them throughout their life, so that even as they grow older, they're still they're still cared for in their institutions. And they've been very innovative in in this area, and um, and have a long history, a long track record. So they were one. And my wife has a has a brother that is that has um, disabilities, and and so that's a, a matter that's near and dear to her heart. So we chose Bethesda as a recipient of. Of our remainder assets, and and then from my point of view, um, uh, the uh, one of our one of our two national uh, seminaries in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, um, uh, Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, and um, I'm I've been very pleased with um, with their record and and with uh, how ably they prepare uh, ministers, missionaries, and deaconesses um, um, for for church work. So, so it was it, it was important to us um, to leave that legacy um, to uh, and and to and in terms of um, advanced directives, um, uh, that's an un, I think a, an unusual aspect of uh, of the Marquardt Law Firm uh, firm is that they is that they specialize in in care for veterans. My my wife's brother is a veteran, um, elder law. Um, which of course is concerns <laughs> both both uh, my wife and I and, and my brother-in-law, and um, and from a Christian perspective, and they and they have a special way of dealing with advanced directives and and um, and making that part of uh, in our case a living will. I mean, I mean a living uh, uh, trust. Yeah, trust. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So that would be, I guess, would be my response to Yeah, to thank that. you so much for sharing that with the audience. Haley, uh, same thing. Uh, would you like to share a legacy that, that you've learned or received or a legacy that you'd like to leave? Um, the more I think about it, well, hopefully 
it's a long time from now. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope that the ECMO um, system is still around, um, if not better by that point in time, if they can make it better. Um, but definitely, definitely um, to research in that area um, because it is close to my heart, and those nurses and doctors work nonstop and um, really do care for you. And um, also, near and dear to my heart, um, are animals. I've always said if I were to win the lottery, um, I'd open up a, a no-kill shelter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so those are – and um, with animals, um, I'll just say that we do paw plans that we call them or pet trusts, right, which I think right. is great because everyone always loves an animal, especially when you're older. And um, what's to happen to – those pets if you were to pass away right our non-human family members Mm -hmm. i'm glad you said something that that does remind me i need to update my trust because uh if i'm not able to start the chihuahua farm (laughs) that i want then uh, i should probably have somebody else start that yeah (laughs) i think i finally come up with what my legacy would be okay sure and it would have to be the the values of being curious. I've I've always been curious about wanting to learn anything and everything that I could put my hands on, um, learning other people's cultures, languages, histories, stories, fictions, nonfiction, and always having these questions floating around in my head. So the legacy I would want to leave is to find out something new by asking a question that you never thought of before or finding out on a topic that you're not familiar with. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that we'll remember you for that mm-hmm. someday. Um, so just to wrap up what we've been talking about, at the end of life, uh, which we don't know when it's going to come, none of us has a crystal ball, Uh, We might be in that situation where we're suffering from an irreversible or terminal illness or injury, and we might not be able to say what kind of medical care and treatment we want, where we want to be. Do we want to be at home? Do we want to be in the nicest retirement center in town, or do we want to leave the largest inheritance we can? Well, that's why we have the episode today on Talk Law Radio for you to tell us that, Todd. Yes, <laughs> and the the best way that we can make our wishes known uh, as far as our health care is concerned is by having a medical power of attorney, uh, directive to physician, a HIPAA release and authorization, and if you're really passionate about it and you want to make sure that your written wishes are followed and legally enforceable, then we wrap all that up and and combine it with the the terms of a living trust. I call that the take care of clause. Mm -hmm. And then you can be real specific about what you want to have happen and who would have authority to do that and pay for it. Well, it sounds like a lot of documents. Remind us again, you need to have a couple thousand saved up for it, right? Well, the cost is uh, probably unique to everybody because it depends on the customization that's included. Um, But uh, you get what you pay for, and if you want it to be cheap and easy, then your plan is probably going to be cheap. 
But if you want something that's comprehensive and professional, well, then you hire a professional to do that. And we have professionals at Marquardt Law Firm. There's other professionals in town, uh, friends of mine, estate planning attorney that will do a good job uh, also with those things. So then if you want to set up a consultation right before you start traveling for the holidays, you should really visit MarcourtLawFirm.com. I wanted to mention, uh, Christiana, that some of our clients like to include a statement of faith. Mm-hmm. And I, I put that in the form of a, a preamble in the will or in the trust. Um, there, there's... Catholics that have a, a, a variation of that preamble. There's there's other religions that have um, specific things that they want as far as um, medical care that they do or they don't want. For example, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses don't want to receive blood transfusions. Mm-hmm. We have clients that uh, belong to that faith that we've helped. And uh, some people have specific directions in their inheritance that that say um, if you fall away from the faith, then you're not going to receive an inheritance, things like that. So then there's no such thing as a cookie-cutter will, or at least not an effective one. You can really detail what you want to have done. I like to tell people you're not a cookie. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen it too many times where someone either looks it up online or goes to a cheaper attorney, and it's really just a basic, none of their wishes are put into the will. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just the basic, almost as if you died without a will. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's unfortunate. A lot of people don't realize it. And um, a good thing that I've also noticed is putting those wishes out there as specific as you want so that your family in the long run when you do pass away there's no arguments there right we want to reduce family conflict mm-hmm. and build family harmony and when the the patriarch or the matriarch is gone mm-hmm. a lot of times that's the glue that was holding everybody together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i've seen it too many times where families just get into nasty arguments because something wasn't spelled out quite well enough in the will or the trust and yes you might be paying a little bit more um but i like to think of it as you're planning for not only your future but your family's future and so there's no arguments there once you're gone because i doubt anyone wants their family if i told you that after you pass away your children are going to hate each other Mm -hmm. Would you want that? I don't think anyone would. (laughs) So then I think this is something people need to put on their to-do list. We're going to be gone for the next two weeks, at least here on Talk Law Radio. And while we are gone, you should visit MarcourtLawFirm.com, M-A-R-Q-U-A-R, D like Delta, T like Tango, LawFirm.com. Contact us. We can get you started with a consultation or find an attorney near you so that way you could put your wishes to paper. What are the next episodes that are recorded? Well, the next recorded episodes will be our interview with Peaches Halls that will be this coming Saturday at 11 o'clock. Then on the 4th of January, also at 11 o'clock, we will be interviewing Seth Walton, Ramey Greer, and Cindy Morgan covering about disability rights. 
But stay tuned every Saturday morning at 11 o'clock or even visit TalkLawRadio.com where you can find all of our previous podcasts. I hope that everyone has a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's. (laughs) We'll see you again in the next year, but stay tuned for 11 o'clock Talk Law Radio.